Responding to crisis can produce in us greater determination to complete and follow the dream God has given us, or responding to crisis can produce in us greater intimidation and fear. How do you respond to crisis? With greater determination, or do you respond with greater intimidation and fear? That's what we're going to discuss today, setbacks to success. And today, I want you to know that God has a destiny for you that is so great, but there will be times that you may face obstacles, you may face challenges. And the question is, are you going to respond to these challenges with determination or recoil back with intimidation. Go forward into what God has called you to do with great determination and meet your destiny. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I invite you today to see with me the supernatural steps into victory and experience them through the power of the Holy Spirit because God has ordained something so great for your life that yes, there will be obstacles, there will be a fight, but I want you to know it's worth the fight. I'm here to help challenge you to get to the next level. Join me now for our podcast, Responding to Crisis, Intimidation or Determination. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Numbers, and we are going to make an evaluation. Really, let's make an assessment. Let's just say you began a new business or perhaps you began a new venture toward your dream, toward your ministry. You stepped out in faith. You prayed about it. You've been tested. You've been tried. You have scriptures to back it up. And more than that, you had a dream about it. God confirmed to you this was his will. So you had scripture. You had dreams. You even had a prophetic word that God gave you through someone. Maybe they weren't even a prophet, but they came up and said to you certain things that just confirmed Everything that you were praying about is the direction that God wants you to walk toward your destiny. However, when you started this, something strange began. At first, everything was going right on cue. Everything fell into place. You knew this was God's will. And then all of a sudden, after things reached a certain point, whammy, all of a sudden there was one door slammed after another. There was one obstacle after another. And the question is, how do you respond to crisis? Do you perceive the crisis in your life through the lens of intimidation and fear? Is it related to past circumstances based on former failures or Are you going to say, I know the God that I have served. I know him whom I have believed. I am so convinced. Number one, this is a a biblical principle. God has told us to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every living creature. I've searched out my motives. My motives are not selfish. Everything that I am doing, I'm doing for others. And I'm doing because God has called me to do this. And devil, you're a liar. You are not going to take what God has 
called me to do? Or do you respond with determination? Ready to roll up your sleeves and go forward in the fight. Beloved, let's look at Numbers chapter 13. And let's see how the scripture provides a clashing contrast in the scriptures. You know, beloved saints, oftentimes there are clashing contrasts between responses. And when the 12 spies went in to the land of promise, they're definitely, most definitely, the scripture is writing, uh, has written for us two ways we can respond. Joshua and Caleb respond with greater determination. What they see, the challenges, the obstacles in the promised land are not going to prevent them from going forward to do what God has called them to do. They see the obstacles as opportunities. But the other 10, because they were not walking in the plane of the anointing and they were lacking in faith, we see the landscape of Numbers chapter 13. The entire language that is used is A dialogue, if you will, between Moses and the 12 spies when they come back. And we see a clashing contrast between those such as the two that were the only ones who made it into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, who respond with determination, or the 10 spies who come back with fear and intimidation and refuse to go up to take the territory. Beloved saints, I want to show you that these things are written not so that we know they happened, but these things are written so that you and I will understand how we are to respond to the current crisis in our life. You know, beloved saints, I want you to understand something about crisis. Crisis is not always a bad thing. Why do we think a crisis is bad? A crisis has been given to us in our lives. Sometimes God ordains it. Sometimes the enemy puts it in our path. But we need to understand something. When God allows the enemy to put it in our path, it's not going to be to the advantage of the adversary. The adversary cannot have advantage over us if we are walking in the ways of the Lord and we have become wise to his ways. We can be one step ahead of the adversary and we can have advantage over the adversary rather than the adversary taking advantage over us. And so we see these examples in the word of God so that we might know how to appropriately respond when we are challenged with similar circumstances. Can you say this with me? Holy Spirit, I want to know how to appropriately respond when I am challenged with similar circumstances. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see In a literal sense of scripture, Moses is sending the spies into the promised land of Canaan. And we are going to see that 
the sending forth of the spies into the land of Canaan is not to see whether or not they could go up to take the territory. Moses didn't doubt whether they were going to take the territory or not. God had already promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants. Moses is not questioning God, but he is sending the spies into the land so that he might have a battle strategy. You see, God, when he sends us forth into a fight, you don't go into a battle, especially spiritual warfare. And when you are dealing with destiny, when we are dealing with warfare that deals with destiny, with the future of our children, with our homes, with our ministries, with our businesses, we don't go in beating the air. We should have a battle plan. We should go into the word of God. We should take some time to fast, to pray. Oftentimes we resort to uh, remedies that don't bring any relief at all. Or we look to the world and we see the worldly ways. Now, there is nothing wrong with getting counsel from the world and seeing the world's strategies. But if we are going to depend on the system of the world and how the world operates, child of God, don't expect the supernatural to back you up if you are using the world's plan. Because God's plan oftentimes is not the plan of the world. And the Bible is written to show us that. Because on every page of the Bible, we see miraculous manifestations of the impossible that oftentimes contrast and clash with the system of the world. God wants you to be a system shaker. God wants you to be able to go forth into the call of God that he has placed on your life without intimidation, with greater determination, even when you're faced with a crisis. Why, child of God? Because throughout scripture, we see that crisis can become a catalyst to the impossible. And God wants to use a crisis in your life that you're going through right now as a catalyst to lead you up to the next level, a knowing God in a way you never knew him before to see him and watch him work on your behalf. Right now, you might be faced with a challenge. You feel like you're up against a wall. You could have woke up this morning and said, oh God, why do I have to face another day? Lord Jesus, please tell me this is just a bad dream. Why do I have to face people that don't understand me? Or why do I have to face this challenge at work? Why, God, do I have to face this very difficult time with someone I love that I see slipping into sickness or disease? God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Beloved, did you know that the God that we serve specializes in turning our crisis into a catalyst of the impossible. Let's look right now at the word of God. Moses is sending the spies into the promised land of Canaan as preparation for complete occupation into the land of promise. He's not sending them to see if they can take the land. He is sending them to see 
how they can take the land. Notice that the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 13, verses one and two, the text teaches, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send the men into the land of Canaan. Now I want you to understand this was not Moses's idea. This was God's idea. Send them into the land. And the Bible says, every man according to their fathers shall you send a man for uh, everyone for a ruler among them. So God is saying, send the men that have been trained, send the cream of the crop, send them into the land. All right. Then we see that Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 comes back with the report. The 40 days of spying out the land are finished. They see the land, that the land is absolutely incredible. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Or you can say, wow, that building that God showed me is incredible. Or you can say, wow. Uh, that business that I've just taken over is really awesome. Or you can say, you know, there's another level of ministry that I want to go into and it's just fantastic. However, there are so many obstacles. Well, the obstacles are always going to be there, child of God, whether we realize it or not. And God wants to train us how to overcome the obstacles. Obstacles should not mean a negative. Obstacles should not mean unless you know God is saying no. Obstacles should become opportunities. And here's what the scripture is showing us. The Bible says in verse 27, they told him and said, we came into the land where you have sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell there and the land and the cities are walled and fenced up to heaven and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. But the men that went up with him said, now I want you to see something. Notice, I want you to see, first of all, that Caleb is going to still the people. Caleb and Joshua are the only two that left Egypt that were allowed to enter into the promised land. Why? Not even Moses, not Aaron. None of those who left Egypt were allowed to to enter into the promised land. Moses missed his miraculous moment with destiny in the 40th year. In the year that everything was already finished, but he was at a very weak time, tired and worn out and did not sanctify the name of God and lashed out at the people in a time of great testing at the waters of Mirabah at the very time Miriam died, a time when he was very vulnerable and he found himself falling into anger and actually uh, not sanctifying the name of God when a miracle was being performed. Therefore, he was not allowed admittance into the promised land. Neither was Aaron because he also participated. But we also need to see something else. We need to see that Joshua and Caleb, they came out of Egypt they went in with the 10 others. They heard the negative reports, but they did not agree. They were men of God enough to stand up against the crowd and say very boldly. First of all, Caleb says, Caleb stilled the people 
before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, notice he didn't say, let us go up in six months. Notice he didn't say, let us go up in a couple years. He said, let us go up at once. Why did Caleb respond with the words, let us go up at once? You see, the scripture is showing us a supernatural secret to success. And that is, please hear the difference. We don't want to move ahead of God. We don't want to be in the flesh and go in and move forward in something God is not saying. But yet at the same time, when God has proven over and over that this is his will, and he gave them the grace to go up in the first place, he delivered them out of the land of Egypt. Read the script, read the script of life. What has God done for you up to this point? This is going to help you be able to discern this miraculous moment with destiny, whether this obstacle is really from God or whether this is just the adversary preventing you from going forward. And if it's the adversary, roll your sleeves up and say, there is no way that I'm going to respond to this obstacle with intimidation. Intimidation does not stop me from doing the will of God. Intimidation is only bread for me to be able to go on my face, to be able to seek God, to be able to go into his word, to be able to walk toward the visitation in order to receive receive more impartation of God's presence in my life. So we see, beloved saints, that we can either respond like Caleb, who said, let us go up at once. And going up at once means that there is a certain grace that God gives us for the miraculous moment in destiny to respond accordingly. And if we do not seize the grace of God at the moment God is giving it, oftentimes we'll say tomorrow or we'll say, of course, we need to pray about it. We need to seek God. We need to fast. But if we have already gone through the discernment process and we were sure that God was telling us this is what he wants us to do, and we sense that This is everything God is saying, but these obstacles seem to be bigger than we are. God wants you to know nothing is bigger than he is. And he wants us to be able to go up at once to possess it. That means seize the grace that God is going to give you in order to inherit the land. You're not going to inherit the land in your own righteousness. You are not going to inherit the land by your works. You are not going to inherit the land by all the good things that you've done. You are going to inherit the land by grace. And so we need to learn how to activate the grace of God in our life. And one of the ways we activate the grace of God is respond the moment grace is being offered to us. Grace was being offered. Go up, possess it. I'll stretch you in the spirit. I'll give you the strength that you need for the battle. I will give you the word. You've already been trained. You've already gone through the wilderness. Read the script. I delivered you out of the land of Mitzrayim. I delivered you out of Egypt to go up and take the territory. All right. So here we see verse 31. We go back and forth. Notice the landscape of this text is a back and forth like a yo-yo, like a seesaw. Joshua and Caleb are always standing for the word of God and they're firm in their faith. They are not 
walking in intimidation, but they're walking in determination. But yet we see the B'nai Israel, we are seeing the children of Israel, and we are seeing the other 10 spies always vacillating. They're always, they're pretty determined, but their determination is not determination for destiny. They've already been convinced they cannot. And you and I need to remove that word, cannot from our vocabulary, because when we're walking with God, all things are possible with God. That means as long as we are in the area that we have been anointed for, and we are not doing this based out of competition or some inordinate, uh, unmet, unsanctified neediness that we have within ourselves that has not been brought to the cross, and we just have to compete with our neighbor, then you might as well forget it. But if you are doing this because God told you to do this, and you are doing this because souls are at stake, and you are doing this because the burden of heaven is upon your soul, then you're going to pray this thing out. You are going to pray this thing through. You're going to walk this thing through to victory. And you've already been determined. You got to fight for God. You're not fighting for yourself. You're fighting for the kingdom. You're fighting for purpose. You're fighting for destiny. We're going to roll up our sleeves and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not that I can't, but notice what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is showing us this clashing contrast between the men of faith who actually make it to the promised land, even though there is a delay in destiny, 40 years, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eliminate Joshua and Caleb. And even if they have to fight giants at 80 years old, I am going to show you that the strength that they're fighting the giants with is not their own strength. It's my strength. It's my gifts. It's my power. It's my calling. And so we see, beloved saints, in verse 31, the Bible says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against this people for they are stronger and mightier than we. And Caleb stilled the people. Notice he already stilled the people before verse 31 says before and said, we are well able to overcome. Now, beloved people, I want you to know that what we are seeing here is also uh, the scripture is showing us that God ordered this, this spying out of the land. And this also shows us a supernatural secret to taking the territory. And what is that supernatural secret to taking the territory? We must have strategic steps in operational warfare. In other words, these spies were sent on a reconnaissance mission. They were sent to spy out the land so that they could come back with a visual observation of methods at activities and resources that the enemy had in his camp. If we do not know the resources the enemy has in his camp and that he's using particularly against this mission, sometimes he uses the mission, sometimes he's using the ammunition of lies to try to stop you. Sometimes he's using the ammunition 
of people speaking against you falsely uh, to intimidate you, to hurt you, to weaken you so that you won't go forward. Uh, Sometimes he uses the ammunition of discouragement. Why should you even try? Last time you tried this, you failed. Why don't you just give it up? All right. You have to know the resources. You have to know what the enemy is using in his arsenal to try to keep you back from possessing the land. So this operation that they were sent into, into the land of Canaan, these 12 spies were sent on a reconnaissance mission. And in a military sense, this reconnaissance mission is a form of strategic intelligence in order to obtain the visual observation of methods, activities, resources, and data that they were to collect, um, to bring back, to be able to engage in a cognitive military campaign to take an advantage over the enemy. So we need to understand that this was a a mission of surveillance, of spying on the enemy. Instead of the enemy spying on you, how about you spying on the enemy? You might say, how do I do that? Through prayer. How do I do that? Through getting up in the middle of the night, seeking God and letting God give you a word, opening your Bible and saying, Holy Spirit of God, turn these pages by the Holy Ghost. Show me exactly what you're saying. Bring me to the scripture that's going to show me what the enemy is doing. You may be very surprised and he may show you how to respond before the attack happens. And you also may be able to stop a an attack of the enemy because God wants to give you an impartation for cancellation against the attacks of the enemy through prayer. So uh, it's time that we look at the enemy's camp and we see that the 10 spies, if they had responded accordingly, like Joshua and Caleb, they would have been able to enter the land and they their children would have already been into the land. But now we see that the 10 spies, they respond with intimidation, which prophetically parallel how fear will cause our faith to fail, how fear will be a key component of failed faith, how fear can impede the impossible in our lives. Today, God wants you to walk in the impossible. Jesus promised that nothing shall be impossible to you. He said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, but if you believe those things that you that you say you will have, then the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three you will have whatsoever things you say. So we see, beloved saints, that Numbers thirteen is written so that we might know the the individuals that cause their faith to fail and how oftentimes the enemy will use what we see. The enemy will use our sight to weaken our fight. Can you say that with me? The enemy will use our sight to weaken our fight. So God wants you to know that these supernatural steps into spiritual warfare and these supernatural steps into possessing the impossible and removing the impediments of the impossible involve uh, walking by faith and not by sight. 
God wants you to also know that there is a psychological warfare in a military sense. And we need to see that this word has been designed by heaven to target the morale of all those who were supposed to go up and take the territory for God. We see that the spies come back with this negative report and that the intimidation is now going to be a form of manipulation over the entire congregation of Israel because their negative report is going to discourage God's people from going up into possessing their destiny. And you see what the enemy will use. Oftentimes he'll use psychological warfare. How do we know? Because what you see, he's going to use to try to discourage you out of your destiny. And you cannot go by what you see. You have to go by what God says. This is what the Bible says in verse 30, uh, 31. But the men that went up with them said, we are not able to go up. First thing, you cannot say we're not able. We've been made more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to you. All right. And here we see the Bible is saying we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report on the land, which they searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land which we have gone to search eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. Oh my goodness. But the Bible says here in verse 33, and they were of the giants and of the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight, grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. You know, beloved saints, in the, in the flesh, we can do nothing outside of Jesus. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus told us the flesh profits nothing. Jesus told us to have no confidence in the flesh. But I want you to understand something. Paul says, have no confidence in the flesh. But I want you to understand something. We're not depending on our ability. We're depending on his ability. And one of the ways we can turn disability in our flesh, disadvantage into destiny is when we use the word of God. This is why God told Joshua when he entered the promised land, he said, hallelujah. He told Joshua to go forward, but he gave him a formula of faith, a formula that a faith of declaration, hallelujah, that will produce exaltation of destiny. Here's what he says. Be in Joshua 1, 7. Be strong and very courageous. Child of God, you got to have some guts if you're going to go up and take the territory. Be strong and very courageous. That means you got to make yourself strong. How are you going to make yourself strong? By accepting the grace of God. By saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By rebuking what you see and claiming what God says. All right. Be strong. And be very courageous that you may observe to do all the word which my servant Moses commanded you. Now watch this. Turn not to the right. That means be focused 
on the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we don't hear the word, child of God, you're not going to have faith. You're going to be going in your own strength. This is why you need the word to back you up. And the Bible says in verse eight, and this book of the law or the word will not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night. What does that mean? That means don't let the word out of your mouth. You have a miracle in your mouth. Call forth the things that are not as though they are. You begin to declare, begin to decree, begin to stand on God's word, begin to say, In the name of Jesus, this schedule that I have right now is not going to stop me from serving God. In the name of Jesus, God's going to give me wisdom, even if it means a little bit more sacrifice to stretch to the next level. I'm willing to do it to possess my promise. The devil is not going to intimidate me over confusion. He's not going to intimidate me over what people will think in my family, like distant family members you haven't seen for 25 years that put their opinion in, that try to rob you from doing what God has called you to do. You and I have to be determined. We have to be like Abraham, people of faith. And we have to be like Ruth, who was a woman of faith. And what 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 did she do? She left everything to go to a land that she never saw before. She left everything to go to cleave to the God of Naomi. And you and I need to make those commitments. Sometimes uh, we are standing on false security systems, but God wants us to go forward in faith. Beloved people, I pray today that whatever crisis has come your way to stop you from going forward into what God has called you to do, don't become discouraged. You are God's chosen vessel. And right now, I want to pray for you. I want to speak the word. I want you to know that this podcast is designed for ministry. This podcast I have designed with the meat of God's word for those who have special callings in life to go forward into the impossible. This podcast is also designed for those who have gone through devastation in their lives. God has raised this ministry up so that you might know he is going to be the rebuilder of your ruins and that devastation does not mean that it's over. I want you to know that we serve a God who is able to turn devastation into complete restoration. Give it all back to you. Don't let the past intimidate your future. Don't let the past be an impediment to the promises that God has made for you. It is our desire that you go forward. My heart would be so full if I knew there were potential missionaries, which I know there are listening to this this message today. Missionaries that will go into the third world to preach the gospel or men and women that are called of God to start a work of God. Go forward, do what God has called you to do. Or those who are already in churches, pastors, young pastors, young people, those who are young prophets, those who are evangelists, those who are the next generation who want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Beloved saints, we have to follow the path that's been paid for us in the generation before. We can't just go out there and start beating the air. We have to have some form of guidance because we we must understand 
that the generals that went before us in the last generation or generations before, they pave a path for us. They show us the choices that God wants us to make. How do we know? When looking at the impossible situations in their lives and how they overcame it, they did not choose intimidation. They rather were filled with determination to go forward into that which God has called. My prayer for you is that you reach your highest dimension of destiny, that every single door opens for you because you are God's chosen. I love you. Visit our website at mydayofdestiny.com. And I am Dr. Michelle Corral. Beloved, if you joined us today, I invite you to go to our website on mydayofdestiny.com. That's mydayofdestiny.com, where you can view any of our recent podcasts and also receive a copy of my book, my book, which is Secrets of the Anointing. There are many other books and products that you can secure on this website, and we invite you to do so. Also, those of you that want to become a partner in worldwide, not only evangelism, but helping the poorest of the poor, children that are in Nadu Tamil, India, or children in Pakistan that are children of Christians that are under severe persecution. You could go to breathofthespirit.org. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you very soon.